Hello, and welcome to the Bethesda Podcast feed. It's here you can find all of our recorded services. And for more information, you can visit us at GoBethesda.com. We hope you enjoy. We sure did miss y'all. We had, we had a great time over in Little Elm, Texas, with uh, Josh and Shelly Youngblood. Just an amazing church. And I know y'all had a great time with Glenn and Madonna Massey here. And the, Yeah, yeah. Thank you to the teams. Thank you to Glenn and Madonna. And thank you, Jesus, for having great church. And uh, it is crazy. We made it through Mardi Gras. Made it through Mardi Gras. Thank you, Lord. And um, made it through the Super Bowl. Did your team win? No? Yes? Some of y'all, you didn't have a horse in this race. I get it. Uh, I get it. Well, tonight I'm going to preach to you about love. Why don't you stand with me right now? We'll do a reading from 1 John 4.18. 1 John 4.18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. And we're supposed to fear God. That's a different fear than what we're talking about here. If you fear God, you don't have to fear anything else. That's a biblical perspective. And the, the kind of fear that torments, that's of this world. That's of the devil. And there is no fear in love. And perfect love casts out fear. I'd like to talk tonight about love casts out fear. Love casts out fear. I want to deal with fear tonight. Let's say a prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Pray that you'd anoint me to speak, anoint us to hear. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Fear has become a way of life in our culture. And if you follow the roots of anxiety and depression, you'll find them firmly grounded in fear. Nearly one-third of all Americans are symptomatic for anxiety and depression. That's 130 million people. There's an industry built around treating it. Last year, Americans spent $15 billion on the drugs alone to treat the symptoms of anxiety and depression. That's the legal drugs. We're not even talking about the illegal drugs to deal with it. I'm not a doctor, not a psychologist, psychiatrist. I'm a preacher. <laughs> I'm a preacher man. And I deal with biblical ideas. And I am convinced that the underlying problem is fear. Fear is devastating, paralyzing, crippling. It's a weapon of mass destruction, the go-to weapon of choice for our enemy. In 1 John 5, 19, John said, And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. So those who are not of God are under the sway or the influence of or in the grip of, or the embrace of, the wicked one. That's the devil. 
And he wraps people up in fear. He, he, he uses it like money. It's a currency to him. Fear is a currency to the devil. He controls and manipulates the whole world with fear. And when we listen to the words of the devil, fear comes. Fear comes by hearing the words of the devil. But when we listen to the words of God, faith comes. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. And the majority of this world has never heard the word of God. Don't even know the name of Jesus. And so they are in the sway of the wicked one. And they're at the whims of what he throws at them. And, and so much of it is fear related. They've never believed in the perfect love of God. For God so loved the world. Perfect love casts out fear. The, the, the love that you have for your spouse. My love for Valerie is not a perfect love. Ask Valerie. She'll tell you. It's not a perfect love. It's, it's to me is as good as it gets, man. It's a great love. But perfect love is for God so loved the world. It's that agape love. It's that love that we strive for and we miss the mark at times. But that perfect love that we've been able to partake in, that love from God, it casts out fear. And so this world's never tasted that. So it's no wonder that the world is wrapped up in fear. I would say this, though, that many in the church have been hypnotized by the culture and have become accustomed to allowing their old sin nature to call the shots in their lives, especially when it deals with fear. They've given in to fear over and over, again and again, to the point that fear has become a way of life for many in the church, unfortunately. Are you with me? Isn't this exciting? On a midweek, on a Wednesday night, the world is on fire. The devil is winning every day. The culture is demon-possessed and twisted and, and uh, wicked and iniquity, those Bible words. I've told you before, they remind me of, of furn wicker furniture. Think of wickered furniture. It's all twisted, right? It's all interwoven and twisted and, and the devil has done a great job of twisting truth and lie together. And it's all wicked. And how do you untangle the mess that he's created in this world? I, honestly, I don't know. And it's frightening. And, and here's the deal. If we yield to fear, we lose the love. We can become highly developed in fear. Even as Christians, as believers. I'm going to help you tonight. I got my pastor hat on. It's on the front row, my hat right there, but it's, it's my pastor's hat. And I'm going to help you. We, even in the church, we can put our faith on the shelf. Our Bible can gather dust, and we can just, like, watch the news and listen to what everybody else is saying and what the enemy's saying, and we can become accustomed to just walking in fear instead of faith. It, hey, it's, it's reality. It's real. It's, it really can't happen. And when we do that, we are developing ourselves to walk in fear instead of faith. And you, be, you can become highly developed in fear. 
You, you can become a world champion warrior. When the Bible says, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. Be anxious for nothing. Does it say that or does it not? And rather than walking in that, we just start automatically putting on the fear instead of the faith. I cast this on you, Lord. I'm not going to carry this. I'm putting this on you. I'm trusting you, God. I'm bringing it to you in prayer, Lord. I'm casting this on you. I am throwing it on you, God. I can't carry this, Lord. I'm going to walk in faith. Your word says, and we start telling the Lord what the word says and reminding ourselves what the word says. That's how you become highly developed in faith. That's how you become a world champion non-worrier. And people are like, what's wrong with you? You should be worried. I should be, but I've not developed myself in the worry habit. I'm not a worry ward. What is that anyway? I never thought about that. But I'm not a worry wart. <laughs> I'm not a worry wart. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a faith Field person. I walk by faith and not by sight. I'm, what am I doing? I'm exercising a faith muscle. If you never resist, you'll never develop. I mean, some of you go to the gym, right? I know some of you do. I mean, I think you do. Uh, you go to the gym and you got you got to do some resistance training to develop those muscles, and that's how it is with faith. If you don't resist the worry. With faith, you're resisting faith with worry. You're becoming developed. You're getting big worry muscles instead of big faith muscles. It's hard to do. I'm not saying this is easy. I'm just saying this is what we're supposed to do. Perfect love casts out fear. And so uh, the Bible says that men's hearts would fail them for fear. Speaking of the times that we're in, the end times, the last times, which I believe we're in. And when fear is allowed to increase, men's hearts failing them for fear. When you become a worry wart and you pay attention to the fear more than you do to the word, which brings faith. Then your love is going to decrease proportionately. Your focus on the love of God. This covenant relationship that we're in with God. This agape love. It's covenant love. I, I, I really, honestly, I don't think we could talk about this too much. The overwhelming love of God. We just sang about it. It's a covenant love. Covenant. Remember, covenant is an exchange of strengths because of weaknesses. So you have a warring tribe and you have a farming tribe. The warriors can't farm and the farmers can't fight. So what do they do? They exchange strengths because they each have weaknesses. They become one through covenant. They cut covenant. The blood is mixed. They have a representative that stands, represents them. And, and the, the tribes go from two separate tribes to one tribe. And when people come in to steal the food, the warriors step up to the plate and defend the food. And when the, the warriors are hungry, there's food there because the farmers have provided 
for their weakness. You see what I'm saying? A marriage covenant is that way. All covenants are that way. An exchange of strengths because of weaknesses. We have plenty of weaknesses, not many strengths. And the Lord said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put myself in a covenant relationship with you. And I am going to give you all my strengths. You give me your strengths, I'll give you my strengths. How about that? It's not a fair trade. It's not a fair covenant per se, but it's the way God's designed it. And so his strengths are available to me. You know what that does? That takes care of fear. Therefore, I will not fear, though the earth be removed and the mountains be cast into the sea. If God is for me, who can be against me? That's the rationale behind it. It's covenantial. It's covenant love. God's on our side. So you've got to develop your faith muscles instead of your fear muscles. Because honestly, it's like swimming upstream. Because our natural inclination, our proclivity, the way we were raised and the way this culture thrives, and the old sin nature that we still deal with, it's always going to want to fear and find an alternative a substitute for the Word of God, like meds, alcohol, inebriation, drugs, relationships, something to ease the pain, something to dull the fear, instead of going to the Word and going to the Lord and saying, I'm going to put some faith pressure on this need rather than I'm going to drink myself into a slumber, a stupor. You know what I mean? Are you with me? Does that make sense? So, when fear is allowed to increase, love, that agape awareness is going to decrease in our heart proportionately. This love that we have believed into, we believed into this, that love casts out fear. It dispossesses fear from our hearts. Fear has such a grip on us. Uh, at times, I'm not condemning or judging. I'm just saying we should see it for what it is. And we should not deny it. But neither should we normalize it. And be content with it. We've got to fight it. We've got to resist it. We have to recognize it. When I'm living in fear, I'm living beneath my God-given new covenant rights and privileges. And I got to figure out how to walk in New Testament realities. I got to find a way to do it. God, you got to show me. You got to help me. Biblically, fear is bad. But scientifically, it's bad too. Physiologically, it's bad too. Uh, you know this, but it affects your physical health. It affects your memory. It affects your brain processing and your ability to react quickly, your mental health, and on and on. Fear is a weapon of mass destruction in the hand of the enemy. Fear, fear will take you out of your calling, out of your destiny, out of the will of God. No wonder Jesus said in Luke 12, he said, do not worry about your life. I mean, these people... 
in the time of Jesus, I mean, I mean, it was, it was hand to mouth. There were some tight times. Some of those people are living in tight times. He said, don't worry about your life. Don't worry one day of your life away. Don't worry about what you'll eat or drink or wear every day. You've got something you could worry about, but don't worry one day about the stuff in your life. One day. Don't waste a day. That's amazing. How many days have you wasted worrying? How many hours have you wasted worrying? How much sleep have you left, uh, wasted worrying? I mean, I'm, I, I get it. I, I'm not judging or condemning. I, I'm challenging us. Deuteronomy 31.6, this is Old Testament. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Don't be terrified. I mean, that's taking it to the next level, right? Afraid, terrified. Don't be either one. It's like, well, I'm not terrified. I'm just a little afraid. Don't be afraid and don't be terrified. Neither one. Isaiah 41, 13 and 14. I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear. I will help you. Do not be afraid, for I myself will help you, declares the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I think of a father and a child, a mother and a child. Jump. Jump. I've got you. Jump. I don't want to jump. I'm afraid. I'm your dad. I'm here. I have the ability to catch you. I have the eye-hand coordination to catch you. I will not let you fall. I care about you. The Lord. I mean, if your earthly fathers know how to do that, how much more the heavenly father? And he's like, don't be afraid. I've got you. Psalm 118, the Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is with me. He's my helper. Mark 4, the Bible says that Jesus got up. Listen, in the middle of a storm, like a, a storm that was sinking the disciples' boat. So it's a storm, it's a boat sinking storm. They're, they're bailing water. And, and Jesus was asleep. Funny thing, Jesus was asleep. You ever been in a storm on the water? I know you have. We got some, been in a storm on the water. I've been in a couple of storms on the water. And it's, it's, it's not fun. It's, it's a little scary. I mean, if it's a bad storm... And so here they are, their boat sinking, and Jesus is asleep, and they shake him. They're like, don't you care that we're perishing? And Jesus gets up, and he says, peace be still, like it's over. And then the Bible says he rebuked. It's a very strong word. It's, it's like the one he used at the end of the New Testament when it's an upbraid, upbraiding type word. It's, it's a strong rebuke. It's, it's like a... It's not like, oh, y'all stop it. It's, it's like, you know better. Why were you afraid? Like, he's getting onto them. You should not have been afraid. I mean, I, I, I'm so glad I, I wasn't in Bible days and they wrote the stories about me. You know, and Donovan did this. You know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. What an idiot, you know. Uh, but he, he like... That really, he's treating them like this was a stupid, it was stupid for you to 
You're a fool to be afraid. Why are you afraid? He was asleep. I mean, I could have said that, right? Well, you were asleep for one thing, Lord. In the storm, in my storm, you were sawing logs. You were fast asleep. And they shook him. They said, don't you care that we're perishing? And he gets up and he rebukes the wind and the waves. And, and I've, I've preached this many times, but I do believe it. Like, why would he rebuke them for that? The word, the word said, he had said, he had, his word said, we're going to the other side. So they were authorized as boat captains to go to the other side. He went to sleep because he left it in their hands. They, in my humble opinion, otherwise, if what I'm telling you is not true, I don't think he had a right to rebuke them for their great fear. They had the authority to rebuke the storm. I don't know exactly how to do this, but that guy that's sleeping, he said we're going to the other side. So whatever you got to do, they might not have been as eloquent. Peace, be still, you know. It might would have been, stop it, quit. In his name, in Jesus' name. Say Jesus, Peter. In Jesus' name, stop. I mean, they had the ability to cast out demons and heal the sick. The Lord had put that anointing on. So the word said, and that really gets down to the heart of it, doesn't it? Do I trust his word? Trusting his word is not the easiest thing to do. The easiest thing to do is, oh, my God, we're going to sink. You know, like it's, it's freak out mode. That, I mean, that's easy. Isn't that easy? The hard thing is to say, bring yourself into this. Uh, he, he said we're going to the other side. If he said we're going to the other side, we're going to the other side. We're going to the other side. The word of the Lord said we're going to the other side. So storm, we're going through, through you. Or whatever, we're not going to sink. We're going to the other side. In Jesus' name. Like that would have been an attempt at faith at some level, wouldn't you say? And so he rebukes them because that's not what they did. Like you're so, why? He said this. He said, you had no faith. You were afraid, fear. You had no faith. Now, they had lost the relationship, that agape love, that, that they were not walking in that love. Fear cast out, is cast out by that kind of love, that kind of relationship. You've got a, you've got a connection between love and faith. Faith works by love. Paul said that. Faith works by love. The relationship that I have believed into, there's no fear. There, there, it, it will, if I will if I will put my attention on the word and this relationship and that love that he has for me, y'all, I'm telling you, if you'll do that in your life, fear will lose its grip on you. You'll sleep better. You'll walk better. You might not have to take those scripts. You'll be able to walk in a, in a love relationship that's faith-filled that casts fear out of your life. 
Won't you lift your hands and say, God, I want to walk in that right now. Just make it a prayer. Help me to walk in that, Lord. Help me to walk in that in Jesus' name. 1 Peter 3, Peter said, don't worry or be afraid. Psalm 34, I prayed to the Lord and he answered me and freed me from all my fears. Fear is bondage, torment. Isaiah 41.10 says, so do not fear, for I am with you. Don't be dismayed, for I am your God. Psalm 56.3, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. The psalmist is admitting it. There's times when I'm afraid in my flesh. But from my spirit, I put my trust in you. That's a faith thing. Philippians 4. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds by Christ Jesus. A peace for no reason. A peace that is irrational will transcend your understanding. Why? Because... You have brought your stuff by prayer and petition with thanksgiving to the Lord. And you've left it with him. You've got this, God. Now, you may have the hard conversations and the phone calls. And you may have to deal with that, that old boss or that coworker or that employee or that situation, that family member or whatever you're dealing with. You'll have to, you may have to deal with that. Uh, you still gotta, you still gotta deal with it, but you'll deal with it in faith and not in fear. The devil smells fear. I've told you about me and my cousin Randy riding horses. Me and Valerie went uh, to Dallas, and we went by the old Kelly's truck stop out in Greenwood, Louisiana, on I twenty. And I told Valerie, did I not? I said, this is where me and Randy came out of the woods right here and rolled the horses on I twenty. Like idiots. <laughs> we tied off right here at the old Kelly's truck stop. Went and got a moon pie and an RC cola. And, uh, right? But a horse, you know, a horse can smell fear. If you've ever been around horses, you got to be bold. Because if you're not, they know it. And they're going to be bold. So you got to be the bolder one. So even if you're afraid of the horse, you can't act like it. You can't let them smell it. Like a dog, a dog can do that, you know. Animals can sense when you're afraid. The devil knows when you're afraid when he's getting the upper, the upper hand on you. And the only way he's not going to get the upper hand on you is when you, in Jesus' name. I, he's not giving me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. I'm, I'm not walking in that. I refuse that in Jesus' name. i got a relationship with God. In Jesus' name, I'm walking in, I'm walking in faith and not in fear. Psalm 23, 4, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but I will fear no evil, because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be even discouraged. I heard some old timers back in the day, they said, I've never been discouraged a day in my walk with God. Ever. And I'm like, I've got a long way to go. <laughs> They're like, I've never been discouraged a day of my life. I think I know what they were trying to say. Is that, you know, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. 
I'm not discouraged. They, they were resisting it. I can appreciate that. I mean, I wish they'd have told me kind of like a little more clarity instead of me feeling like the freak, you know, out here. I'm, I'm doing this wrong. <laughs> but, but notice what he told, look what he said to, to Joshua in this, this old covenant or, or uh, uh, where is it? Yeah, in this old covenant, Joshua, Joshua, don't be terrified. Don't even be discouraged. God's going to be with you wherever you go. Wow. We're in a new covenant, a better covenant. Deuteronomy, do not be afraid of them. The Lord will fight for you. Revelation placed his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. Alpha and Omega. Matthew 5, Jesus said, don't be afraid. Just believe. God just got news. His daughter died. Don't be afraid. Believe. Can I tell you, you'll never fulfill your calling and destiny filled with fear. Your calling requires you to be filled with love and faith, not fear. And we'll, we'll kind of close with this fantastic story. 2 Chronicles 20. 2 Chronicles 20. Are you with me? Yeah. I've been going 30 minutes, and I have some announcements in there. So I'm almost done, y'all. I'm almost done here. 2 Chronicles 20. It happened after this that the people of Moab and the people of Ammon and others with them, besides the Ammonites, came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria. And they are in Hezazan Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared. Notice that. He feared. King of Israel, king of Judah. He feared. And he set himself to seek the Lord. Notice, when he was afraid, he knew where to go. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. You got that on the screen? Go to the next verse. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. They're afraid, y'all. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And said, O oh Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? He's, you know what? He's telling God that God knows who he is. He's reminding himself and the people he's leading who God is, right? You, you, you rule. You rule over all the kingdoms and all the nations, including these Yahoo nations that have come against us. And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God? Covenant, agape, we got a relationship here. The Hebrew is hased, covenant love. It's an exchange of strengths because of weaknesses. Who drove out, here we see his strengths, the inhabitants of this land before your people, Israel, and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, covenant language, hased, your covenant friend forever, next verse, and they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save, next verse, and now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, 
whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit this land. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power, exchange of strength because of weaknesses. We have, we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. So we're looking to you. Cast all your cares on him. Be anxious for nothing. But, but bring your prayers and petition with thanksgiving to God. Here, that, is that not what they're doing here? Our eyes are on you. Our eyes are not on the children of Mount Seir and, and all these other nations. Our eyes are on you. I mean, they're right there. We see them. But we've just lifted our eyes. You know, David said, I'll look to the hills from which cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord. They just lifted their eyes. Oh, the blessing of just lifting your eyes. Just lift them a little bit higher. Lift up your head. Your redemption draws. Just lift up your head. That's exactly what they're doing. We don't know what to do. So we're looking to you. Next verse. Now all Judah with their little ones, their wives and their children stood before the Lord. They all stand there. Helpless. But they're looking to the Lord. Jehoshaphat's been a good leader. He said, we're looking to the Lord. And they did. And so the Lord sends this son of Asaph, this descendant of Asaph, uh, with a prophetic voice, a Levite with a prophetic voice. He comes in, Jehaziel, I believe is his name, and he's got this word from the Lord. And verse 27, then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat in front of them to go back to Jerusalem with joy for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. So they came to Jerusalem with stringed instruments and harps and trumpets to the house of the Lord and the... Check this out. And the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. Then the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet for his God had given him rest all around. Here's what's cool. That prophetic word came. They were told what to do. They, they pulled out instruments. They didn't pull out swords. They pulled out the band. Get your guitar. Get the drums. God's given us a plan. A prophetic word. They sang praises to God. For the, and listen, the Lord didn't tell them what to sing. But Jehoshaphat found the hymn. Let's go over here. Here's a good one. For the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting. That's a song we're going to sing. And so they opened the hymn and they began to sing to all these nations. Really dumb. But you know what happened? Don't you know that they're focusing on the Lord? They're repeating his word. They're singing his praises. Faith came. Faith. Fear was cast out. By perfect love, faith rose up and the Lord fought their battle for them and gave them great victory. And the fear that Jehoshaphat had in his heart at first now got on the enemies and they were afraid. It's an amazing story. Perfect love casts out fear. So on this Valentine's Day, you've got to put an end to fear in you and put fear in the devil and the enemy that's coming against you in Jesus' name. The enemy came against the people of God in a new and novel way and filled them with fear. Jehoshaphat, the fourth king of, of Judah, 
He was a good king. He wasn't perfect. Uh, stand with me right now. It'll help me. A few years into his reign, he made the awful mistake of listening to King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, took their advice, and uh, he was thoroughly rebuked for it. In other words, he wasn't perfect. I mean, anytime you listen to Ahab and Jezebel in the Bible, that's a bad sign. He listened to Ahab. He was listening. I mean, he struggled with fear. He was listening to the wrong voices, right? He's listening to Ahab and Jezebel. Antichrist, man, anti-God, messed up. And, and he was thoroughly rebuked and he repented. Proverbs, he who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes him will have mercy. He confessed, repented. God showed him mercy. And so he had confessed, he had forsaken, he had mercy, and he was prospering. And when he least expected it, he's blindsided in this new way by a coalition. Moabites, Ammonites, Philistines, Edomites, children of Mount Seir, surrounded Jerusalem, threatened his calling and his destiny. Everything was on the line. He was devastated. He was afraid. I said all that to say this. You can be walking in your walk with God. You're doing fine. You've made some mistakes. You've repented. God's chastened you. You've come through it. You repented. You confessed. God showed you mercy. And you got war stories, you know, like tell young believers, hey, I understand. I've made some mistakes in my walk with God. I've failed at times. And you're like mentoring. That's what Jehoshaphat was doing. He was mentoring. He had come through some stuff. He had, some, he had a testimony. And then the enemy hits him in a, in a way he never could have seen. Bam! It's devastating. It says this, this believer, a good king, was afraid. I don't know what to do. This is overwhelming. They've all ganged up on me. I don't know what to do. But he, got a, he, he had enough sense to know. When I don't know what to do, I'm going to go to the one that does. And he was humble. He told his people, I don't know what to do. You know, lead us to Hashem. I don't know what to do. We got to take this to the Lord. Took it to the Lord. Prophetic word. They just went out there and obeyed. Began to put their attention on the Lord. And the Lord sat in bushments and gave them this tremendous victory. I love that. To be afraid is natural. It's normal. It's not weird. You're a human being. When you're anxious, when you're sad, when you're overwhelmed, it doesn't make it right or healthy. It's just human in this fallen world. But the good news is we're not alone in our struggle. We got a God who's on our side. God's got you. God's got this. He loves you. And perfect love casts out fear. Now, in Jesus' name, we've got to deal with fear in the house before we leave tonight. In Jesus' name. We got to get rid of some fears. 
We, Job said, the thing I greatly feared came upon me. You know, Job learned how to deal with things that he greatly feared. And God restored him in a powerful way. You've got to learn. You, we've got to learn to pull our, our spirit. I mean, like, I don't know how to describe it other, other than instead of just spilling out like, just like water. Just fall it apart, fall into pieces. Pull it back in and put our attention on God. Saying, God, before I fall to pieces, I'm going to run to you. And I'm going to tell you, Lord, I'm afraid. But I'm looking to you. I'm looking to you, the source of my strength. You're the one that said I shouldn't fear. You're the one that said you would meet my needs. You're the one, and I am bringing this to you. And I'm doing that again tonight. So, right. You know what? Why don't you just bring it up front? Why don't you just come up front? Let's just take a moment here on a Wednesday night. Bring it up front. I just want you to represent. I'm going to bring my fear. Whatever it is you're facing. Nobody's judging. Nobody's condemning. I'm going to bring my fear to the altar. I'm just going to lay it on the altar. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle it. But God, I know you've promised me things in your word. I don't even know them all. I don't even know how to pray those promises. Maybe you're going to be like the disciples out there trying to rebuke a storm and you don't even know how to do it. That's okay. Try. I would rather try, I would rather attempt in faith than succeed in doubt and fear. So in Jesus' name, would you just take that that you're carrying right now and cast it on the Lord? Just your fears, your anxious thoughts the needs that you have, the stuff that's keeping you awake, the stuff that you're fighting, struggling with. Maybe it's your relationship. Maybe it's your finances. Come on, maybe it's your job. Maybe it's stress. Maybe it's a family situation. Lord, I have fear in this area. I just, I'm just telling you, God, I'm struggling in this area. And, uh, and I, sometimes I hyperventilate. I don't know how to handle it, God. I, I, I'm in counseling. I'm trying to get some help. But, God, I'm bringing it right now to you. I'm telling you, God, if you'll help me. Thank you for joining us. And for more information, you can visit us at GoBethesda.com. You can also visit us in person at 15050 Daigle Road, Prairieville, Louisiana. Services are at 10 a.m. Sunday and 7 p.m. on Wednesday.